Okay, let's look at the, the, the point at the top of page 100. What does it say? Encouragement strengthens relationships. Now you may remember the last time you encountered someone who was an encourager because your relationship uh, was strengthened by that encounter with them. I'm sure you can probably reflect on that. Okay, let's look at the Bible meets life section. If you can have someone read that, please. Since the 1940s, Americans have been popping multivitamins and ever increasing the most. We're not sure if we really need the extra vitamins and minerals, but we figure our daily dose is good for us. So we'll keep popping more and more multivitamins as the years go by. We could use a daily dose of something else, too. Let's call it the spiritual and emotional vitamin of encouragement. Human beings were created to live in relationship with others, and we all have a hunger within us for the affirmation of others. We need a healthy supply of encouragement in order to grow as God intends. Unfortunately, too many of us face a deficiency in this area. Our lives can grow weak without encouragement, and so can our relationships. As we'll see in this session, Barnabas was a natural encourager, and his life challenges us to be a source of encouragement to others. Okay, and I'm sure we can say amen to that, right? Okay, let's see uh, what the Bible has to say. Let's look at the passage. Acts chapter 9, verse 26 to 28, and 11, 21 to 26. And I'm reading. When he arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, since he did not believe he was a disciple. Barnabas, however, took him and brought him to the apostles and explained to them how Saul had seen the Lord on the road and he had talked to him and how in Damascus he had spoken boldly in the name of Jesus. Saul was coming and going with them in Jerusalem speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Okay, verse chapter 11, verse 21. The Lord's hand was with him and a large number who believed turned to the Lord. Then the report about them was heard by the church that was at Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. When he arrived and saw the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with a firm resolve of heart. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and large numbers of people were added to the Lord. Then he went to Tarsus to search for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year they met with the church and taught large numbers. Disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. And so the setting then here is, with the accession of God himself, the early church was perhaps new. The early church perhaps knew no greater encourager than Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus. In fact, he was better known by his nickname, Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. And he lived up to his name. 
When Saul, the fiery persecutor of the church, came to Christ, he tried to join the believers in Jerusalem. But what did they do? They politely turned him down. He was politely shunned until Barnabas spoke on his behalf, son of encouragement. And later when the Gentiles became, began coming to the Lord in great numbers in Antioch, Barnabas encouraged them, all of them, in their faith. So we see the importance of encouragement in relationships. That is a necessity. And in verse 26 uh, that we read, uh, we notice that having already been baptized as a believer, having preached effectively in Damascus and having narrowly escaped death because of his ministry, Saul arrived in Jerusalem hoping to receive by, to be received by the disciples as a fellow believer and servant of Jesus Christ. And that was his hope. And that's the hope and joy of all believers. Anyone who come to Christ, their joy is to look forward to spending time with other believers in the Lord and, uh, and sharing the things of the Lord in faith. Instead, what did he find? He found a church that was afraid of him because they had heard of his reputation before he came to Christ. That fellow, he goes around and he kills Christians. We don't want, we don't want to get near him. The Lord may strike him and we may be too close and get to the blow as well. You know, so they were afraid of him. They were not only afraid, but they were unwilling uh, to have any kind of association with him whatsoever. And church leaders are likely, leaders likely wondered if, if, if his efforts to join Jerusalem church were not a scheme to identify Christians for further persecution. In other words, they believed that he was probably working undercover. It was another scheme, another idea he come up with to be able to get to more Christians to persecute them. And, uh, you know, rightly so. They could think of it because of his reputation. His reputation preceded him. And so they were afraid that, uh, that they may be arrested and punished. And even though Saul probably felt that his changed life and bold ministry were evidence of the sincerity of his faith and his desire to fellowship with the Jerusalem Christians, they still hesitated because they thought that it was a risk to do so. And then verse 27, we learned that at this critical moment, Barnabas entered the story to tip the scales sort of in evidence in favor of Saul by being received into, into the trusted company of the Jerusalem church. And, uh, and so we know that his nickname was uh, Barnabas. He was given the name of Joseph of Cyprus, according to Acts chapter 4 and verse 36. And so he, his name means son of encouragement or son of exhortation. And rightly so, because he would have been the best person to enter the picture and be able to change the whole perspective that the church was having uh, with regards to receiving Saul. Okay, let's move on. Uh, look at the second paragraph. Well, let's read, let's read that paragraph on page 102 of your guide. We can have someone read that, and then we're going to focus on just one part of it. My four children were shooting hoops in the driveway when they asked good old dad to supply some pointers on proper form. So, obviously, I lectured them on the mechanics of a free throw. <laughs> Following my two-minute speech, my daughter asked, could you, like, show us what you're talking about, Dad? When I took a shot, their confusion vanished and the game resumed. As the saying goes, some things are better caught than taught. Mm. Go on, yeah. 
Barnabas is someone worth watching in the pages of scripture. Through his example, we can learn three ways to encourage others. First, Barnabas teaches us to encourage acceptance. Barnabas first popped up in scripture as Joseph of Cyprus, Acts 4.36. The apostles had given him the nickname Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Apparently, this man had developed a sterling reputation of building others up with loving words and generous acts. In Acts 9, God used Barnabas to bring Saul, later known as the Apostle Paul, to a place of prominence. Based on his past record, Saul wasn't the kind of person Christians wanted to be around, not unless they wanted to end up in jail or even dead. See Acts 26.10. Even though Saul's heart had been changed completely through a personal encounter with Jesus, the believers in Jerusalem didn't, care, tr didn't dare trust him. Barnabas, however, realized Saul was a changed man, so he stuck his neck out and vouched for Saul. He encouraged the apostles and believers to reconsider their skepticism and to take a risk on this guy. Do you think Barnabas had any hint of the magnitude of Saul's soon-to-be ministry? Barnabas was likely just doing what he had always done, helping somebody take the next step in his spiritual growth. God used this encourager to help Paul's ministry flower into greatness. Here's the point. You may never know the difference you make in another's life when you simply extend the hand of fellowship and invite him or her into your world. Okay, thank you. Notice, Barnabas is someone worth watching in the pages of Scripture. And so if you want to find out what it means, what it's like to be an encourager, Barnabas is the person to watch in Scripture. Because it says, through his example, we can learn not one, not two, but three things to encourage others. First, Barnabas teaches us to encourage acceptance. Encourage acceptance. So if there's anything you want to learn from, from, from Barnabas, that would be the first thing to learn. And of course, there are others. Other things that we can learn from Barnabas as well. Okay, look at page 102. There's an exercise there. Uh, well, there's a question on that page. What risk do you take when you endorse an outsider? And thinking back on the story that we just read about what the believers encountered when Saul first showed up. Think about that and answer the question. What risk do you take when you endorse an outsider? What do you think the risk is that you take? Anybody? What risk do we take? Hmm? What type of person they are? You may not know what type of person they are. Okay, what else? I disappoint you. He might disappoint you. That's one of the greatest fears. Boy, I don't know this fellow. If I endorse him, what if he let me down? What if he disappoint me? And so that's one of the risks that we take. And, and we see that uh, that risk was no different for Barnabas. I'm sure the sim similar thoughts were going through his mind as well. And uh, there were probably a multiplicity of other thoughts or questions that were going through the mind of all the other believers. Uh, some of them were thinking that he was, uh, he was faking this. And he wanted to get into the group of this church so that he could get more Christians and persecute them and so on and so forth. So that's a risk. There is also a risk. Always a risk when you endorse an insider. But if you truly believe God is who he said he is and that he is faithful as he said he is, 
then you will take that risk, like Barnabas did. And look what happened. He was able to encourage and change the hearts and minds and all those thoughts that were going through the minds and hearts of all those people. You know, Barnabas was the only one out of the whole group, the whole the whole church. Barnabas was the only one who was willing to take the risk to endorse this man. What if he didn't? So we have another exercise that says, your story. And this is something that you could do on your own uh, when you get probably do get to do your devotions uh, at a particular point, you can do this little exercise. All of us have benefited from the encouragement of others. Use the following template to record a message to someone whose encouragement and sport had an impact on your life. Now, you can probably think of probably more than one individual, but use, use one person who, is out, who has been more outstanding in your life in that regard. And so you begin by saying, dear so-and-so, I'm thinking of of the way you did whatever you did to encourage me because you were a part of my life, I, whatever. And uh, so I'd like to say thank you or I appreciate you or you have made a tremendous impact on my life in a positive way. And so that's a good exercise for you to do in terms of uh, zeroing in on encouragement. And then Helen Keller has a, has a point there on that page. It says, walking with a friend in the dark is better than walking alone in the light. Isn't that so? Haven't we all experienced that at some particular point or another? So true. Okay, as we jump to Acts chapter 11, verse 21 to 24, we'll see another example of Barnabas choosing to minister as an encourager. Let's have someone read those passages, those verses, please. From verse 21 to verse 26. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem. And they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad. And he exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would flee unto the Lord. For he was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith. And much people was added unto the, unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus, for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him into Antioch. He brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Okay. Now notice the definition of Christians there. You see that little insert there? Definition of Christian? What does it say? The term literally meant what? Little Christ. And it was originally used in a derogatory way by the Romans to sort of like insult Christians or to tease them or to ridicule them. You see how God turns things around? However, the followers, the disciples adopted the term as a badge of honor. Randy, I gotta tell you this. I gave out two of those tracks yesterday. I'm not bragging, but I gave out two of them to two security guards. <coughs> And I told them that I was a Christian. And one of them said to me, Christian? I said, man, I, I know so many bad things about Christ. I said, let me rephrase that. Christ follower. <laughs> and then he laughed. He said, I understand. <laughs> there you go. You know, we, we, we sometimes people hear that name Christian and, and automatically bad experiences come to mind of believers who did not live up to that name. Who did not live up to being Christ followers. And uh, we're going to face a whole lot of that. It continues. 
And as we go on, uh, uh, as we get closer to the return of the Lord, we're going to see uh, that, that that title that we have is going to mean a whole lot more when it comes to persecution, uh, especially in this part of the world where we're not accustomed to persecution. And we see it subtly creeping in into various ways and, uh, and various uh, aspects of our lives. Okay, uh, the, let's look at the paragraph 104. A second way we can learn from Barnabas, this example, is to encourage spiritual growth in others. Okay, the second way we can learn from Barnabas. In Acts 11, Barnabas returned to the stage. This time, he was commissioned by the apostles in Jerusalem to travel 300 miles north to Antioch. This wouldn't have happened had it not been for the previous encounter. Many Jews in Antioch embraced Christianity, and the believers had begun to spread the message to the Gentiles as well. As a result, Greeks in the region were coming to faith in Christ. When the apostles got wind of this astonishing harvest, they sent Barnabas to assess the situation and to report what God had done. Okay, so we see Barnabas now uh, encouraging spiritual growth in others. Examine the beautiful picture Luke, the writer of Acts, painted of Barnabas' Barnabas's ministry. Because of persecution, believers had scattered so that the kingdom of God advanced wherever he went. As soon as Barnabas saw what God was doing, he was glad and he encouraged all of them to remain true to the Lord with a firm resolve of heart. Barnabas surely strengthened these new saints enormously as he drove home the power of perseverance. While his words were welcomed and received with joy, the future would require resolve as challenges came upon the church. To be a Christian was to accept the road of suffering, but it was a journey they could make with joy. Barnabas did more than pay lip service to the joy of knowing Jesus. He embodied it. His message and his conduct were in sync. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith is how he was described. Wouldn't you like to be described like that? A good person, filled with the Holy Spirit and faith. Do you know that that's how believers are supposed to be described? If you are little Christ, that's how we are supposed to be described, just like Barnabas was. Perhaps you are currently starving for a good word from a friend. Do you have someone who breathes fresh wind into your sails, who sees your potential and pushes you to grow? If not, begin praying that the Lord would bring such a person into your life. Now, some of you probably have some, someone like that. And uh, some of you need someone like that. And so I'd say take the advice here. Pray that God would bring someone like that into your life. And uh, I'd look for the openings that God is going to use to bring that person into your life. And don't be so skeptical as the believers were when Saul first showed up. But welcome uh, the opportunities that God has. Remembering that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. Okay, some key points on page 104. 
uh, the section that we just read. Here are some key points from that, uh, those passages that we read. The second way we can learn from Barnabas' example is encourage spiritual growth in others. Encourage others to grow spiritually in their walk with the Lord. As God encourages you and challenges you, then you share that with others. That, that's one way we can learn from Barnabas' example. Barnabas did more than pay lip service to the joy of knowing Jesus. He embodied it. His message and his conduct were, conduct were in sync. Okay, so that's another thing, uh, point that, that we pull out of this, these passages that we can learn. The other one thing is, do you have someone who breathes fresh wind into your sails? Look for that person. Who has a potential, has the potential to push you to grow? Look for someone like that. And then the, the third thing that comes out of the passage is, conversely, be, the ki- be that kind of person in someone else's life. When you invest yourself in someone else's life, both you and the individual are blessed. Have you noticed that? Whenever we invest ourselves, whenever we put ourselves in the life of another person, both of us get the blessing. So it's something to think about. Question three on page 104. How do we intentionally grow into the role of an encourager? How do we intentionally grow into the role of an encourager? Well, if you follow those four points that we just look at, that's one. That, those are the ways that we grow. What we just mentioned uh, by getting into the life of other individuals. And it's good to be reminded that uh, there's, it's not automatic. You know, we think that because we are Christians, a lot of things that we need to be and do are automatic in our lives. It's not, no, there's no automatic switch for becoming more spiritual. It takes work. It takes spending time with the Lord, in His Word, in prayer, listening to the Lord and talking to the Lord. And so, instead of waiting for it to happen automatically, uh, we need to make efforts to map out a plan of developing into a more encouraging type of person. You sit down, and this, is, this study that we're doing is one way of God showing us how we can do that. Okay? God may be saying to us through this particular lesson today, you know, you need to focus more on being an encourager. That could be the very purpose of this lesson today. That thought may have never crossed your mind until this morning. Am I really an encourager? What can I do to encourage others? And of course, there's some things we do in our lives that encourage people in the wrong way. Okay, so this is a good way uh, that we can look at focusing on developing a plan uh, that we can use to encourage others. Okay, the last section of the verse is 20, verse 25 and 26. We'll find the third way we can learn from Barnabas' example as an encourager. And it says in verse 20, 11, 25, 26, Then he went to Tarsus to search for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Adia. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught large numbers. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. And so Barnabas went to Saul, went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and they spent several years together for their, for their encouragement and development. The disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. Uh, uh, that's where the name first was attached to believers. And as we mentioned, uh, it was used not in a good sense like we know it today. Called is an unusual word meaning... You were called after their business. When unbelievers looked at the Antioch church, 
and sought a word to describe them, they invented a term that identified the business of believers as working for Christ. And so the, this is not a name that believers came up with. Okay, Christians didn't come up with the name Christians. Okay, that's the point that, that is being made here. Okay, it was made, it, it was made up by other individuals who looked at Christians who were identified as being in business and the business of working for Christ. And so the question then is, if we're all Christians, are we in the business of working for Christ? Serious question that we need to ask ourselves. What do we do in our daily goings and comings that identify us as individuals being in business for Christ? That's how the first Christians got their name. Because they, their, their behavior, their attitude, what they did. We identify them as being in business for Christ. May we give such clear evidence in our day that our life business is working for Jesus. The name Christian was therefore invented by unbelievers in Antioch. This name for believers is found only two other times in the New Testament. Once in the words of King Agrippa. Remember uh, King Agrippa's words to Paul? What does he say? What does he say? Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. So even he identified with the fact that believers were individuals who who were in business for Jesus. And then once when Peter used it to remind believers of how how some unbelievers looked down on them. Okay, so Barnabas' encouragement produced very (coughs) practical results. Very practical results. uh, Which is what the Word of God is intended to do in our lives. Give us practical results of how we can live in our lives. The next event described in the book of Acts is the prediction of a famine throughout the Roman world. A disaster that would put many Christians, especially those with few financial resources, in danger of hunger and even starvation. The church in Antioch responded to this need by giving each, giving as each was able to provide in support of hungry Christians in Judea. Barnabas and Saul served as messengers of this messengers of this love action. And Christians in Antioch now gave Christian gave Christian brothers and sisters in need the same gift of encouragement they had received from Barnabas. Okay, look at the fourth. Paragraph on page 125. Uh, well, let me let me let me let me do something else here because our time is rapidly going. So let's see if we can move on quickly. Uh, the third way we can learn from Barnabas' example is to encourage others to serve. Encourage others to serve. When was the last time you encouraged somebody to get involved in a ministry, to do something with a gift that you identified them as having, or an ability that you saw that they were good at? When was the last time you did, you did that? Okay, it's something to think about. Because sometimes we get wrapped up in our own activities in our, in, our, in our ministries and we forget that, you know, we see a brother or sister over there who has ability to do this and they probably don't realize that it's a God-given ability. Encourage them to do it. In fact, the Church of Jesus Christ should be the most encouraging place on earth. Don't you think so? Yes. It should be. If anybody wants encouragement or needs encouragement, they should not hesitate to go to the church to get it, because that's where it is to be found. Good words encourage good encourage growth. And we should strive to use our words as a way of encouraging others to step up and serve. Step up and serve. You know, we are there. We think of, 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 of 
of um, the Valley of Dry Bones. And someone said that uh, one of the bones that we have in the church are knuckle bones because they're always knocking everybody else uh, in terms of what they're doing rather than encouraging. Well, the church shouldn't have no knuckle bones in it. Okay, it should always have people who are encouraging others, but sadly enough, there are some knuckle bones. And uh, one way to get rid of those knuckle bones or make them ashamed of themselves is to be an encourager, to encourage uh, individuals to get in service for the Lord and to do things for the Lord. Uh, question number four on page 105. How can we actively encourage others to use their spiritual gifts? How can we actively encourage others to use their spiritual gifts? Anyone? We could encourage them by, they could, they could be an example to somebody else. Okay, being an example. That's a good one. Being an example. Then there's the next question close to that one. On page, uh, same page. How can we actively encourage God's larger work in the church? Both questions above are opportunities for us to identify practical steps for positive action. That's what both, that's why the questions are, are coined the way they are. And so they are tended to be practical steps to move us or push us in the direction of positive action. We're not talking about theory, but we're talking about doing that which is practical. Encouragement. So we look back at the point, at the top of the page, point of our session today, encouragement strengthens relationships. Remember that. Encouragement strengthens relationship. And it allows uh, uh, us to, to share and to, to encourage one another in the things of the Lord. Okay, live it out. Last point. Consider the following suggestions on how we can apply this lesson of encouragement in terms of what we learned from Barnabas as an encourager. Say thanks. How often do we say thanks? You know, some people have it, have it, just taking something or doing things and without saying thanks. Simple expression of say thanks. Express thanks to someone who has been an encouragement to you. Be specific regarding how their words or actions encourage or help you. Okay, that's simple. That's easy, right? Sometimes people encourage us. We don't even think about it. But it's a blessing to us. And then evaluate your day. That's number two. Take a moment at the end of each day to count the number of times you encourage someone else. Consider keeping a journal of your efforts to be a Barnabas. Think about how you encourage someone else. And then the third one and final one is encourage action. Identify an opportunity to serve in your church or community. Take action not only to serve yourself, but also to rally others to join the cause. Okay, you may see someone who have an ability to do this or, or gifted in a particular area and they're not doing anything. Encourage them. And so encouragement doesn't work every now and again. You need a daily dose in order to function well. Same is true of the people you love. Therefore, choose to be an encouragement. Choose to be. That means you can choose not to be. Okay? The question is choose to be an encouragement. Sometimes we have a tendency to be so negative all the time. 
choose to be an encourager. Amen?